Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Dr. Patience Sadamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Truth a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution sponsored by Fido Mobile. Stay tuned as we talk Canadian news and Black issues on a regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. This week, we're honoured to have MPPs Jill Andrew and Faisal Hassan join us on the pod ahead of the upcoming Ontario election. Friend of the Drip, Dr. Jill Andrew was elected in the 2018 provincial election as the MPP for Toronto St. Paul's. Until the dissolution of the legislature on May 3rd, Jill was the official opposition critic for culture and women's issues, as well as a member of the Standing Committee on General Government. She's a member of the Ontario NDP Black Caucus, a first of its kind in Ontario, and the first queer Black MPP in Ontario's history too, maybe even Canada. In her first term and in response to significant cuts to culture by good old Dougie, Jill tabled (laughs) motions calling for the Ford government to reinstate the funding cut from libraries, the Ontario Music Fund, and the Ontario Arts Council. She's pushed for the Ford government to recognize comedy and fashion as part of the culture sector so creators in those fields receive access to provincial funding and presented a motion calling for financial support for small businesses, including those in Little Jamaica that have been disrupted by construction and COVID. Her first private member's bill, Bill 61, passed last December, creating an Eating Disorders Awareness Week the first week of February across this province. She's done plenty more too. Maybe that's why she was named first runner-up in Now Magazine's Reader's Choice Best MPP Vote in both 2019 and 2020. Jill is a certified child and youth worker, teacher, and equity advocate who holds a master's in women and gender studies and a PhD in education. She co-founded Body Confidence Canada, which advocates for inclusive messaging and practices that support body diversity, and is a community co-owner of the world's oldest LGBT bookstore right here in Toronto, Glad Day Bookshop. Jumping to MPP Faisal Hassan. Hailing from York Southwestern, Faisal was elected to Ontario's legislature in the 2018 election. Until dissolution, Faisal was the official opposition critic for youth opportunities. He was also a member of the Standing Committee on the Legislative Assembly and, of course, a member of the Ontario NDP Black Caucus. Faisal is a former broadcaster and published author with deep ties to the community reflected in his volunteering on the boards of the Center for Equality, Rights, and Accommodation, or CIRA, Habitat for Humanity, and the Weston King Neighborhood Center. As an MPP, he was active too, successfully steering motions and bills through Queen's Park, including passing his motion calling for 27,000 new paid work opportunities for young people, and passing his bill to proclaim June 25th to July 1st Somali Heritage Week. 
He also fought for faster COVID-19 testing in his hard-hit riding in Northwest Toronto, while the Ford Conservatives were bungling their response, and has stood shoulder to shoulder with families torn apart by gun violence, calling on the province to address root causes like poverty, and to let big cities ban handguns and ammo sales. A son of Somalia, we are proud to have him join us today. Welcome to you both. Woo! Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's so good to have you. We, you know, uh, Jill, how's your day been? It's so been far? a how's good day. It's been a good day. I took a couple hours uh, to sit in one of our favorite parks, Cedarvale mm -hmm. Park, in, in my home area of Toronto St. Paul's, you know, to sit and have a lunch with my mom. So that was oh, a surprise yeah. that my campaign team and uh, my staff did for me because, oh boy, we've been going, going hard. hard. We've been going <laughs> hard. Imagine. Oh, awesome. yes. how, about, how about you, Fizal? <laughs> Well, I, I started early in the morning um, the area that I have canvassed uh, yesterday to uh, paint orange. So I took all the signs we have gotten and erected them. And um, and because today is Mother's Day, so I'm just taking a little bit uh, resting and uh, speaking to mom and, and just also scheduled to speak to you this afternoon. So it was just taking easy day, just uh, relaxing and a little bit of help with the sign crew. Sounds like a good day to us. Well, we have plenty to discuss about your work and the series, so why don't we jump right in? Right on. At $198.6 billion in spending, Doug Ford's budget and de facto election platform is the biggest budget in Ontario history. In fact, it's 25% bigger than Kathleen Wynne's last budget was in 2018. Team Ford's got a ton of spending in there meant to kickstart our economy in one way or another, which is good, even if we disagree with their approach. That said, they had next to nothing for Black people or people of color more broadly, which is an implicit approval of white supremacy, considering the rise in racist attacks we've seen against people of color that were exacerbated by the pandemic. So could you speak to what an NDP government would do? to make Ontario safer and more inclusive for Black and racialized Ontarians. Oh, yeah, I'll jump in on it quickly, uh, if that's okay with Jill. Um, yes, for all of Dark Force's mm. criticism of the Liberals, he did the exact same thing Captain Wynne did in 2018, mm. threw out a bunch of verb promises about what he will do if re-elected. He was quick to cancel the minimum wage increase, but waited until the dying days of his mm. mandate to increase it, it is still less than it would have been if Dark Ford didn't cancel it. Uh, pay attention to the things like the minimum wage. Full-time minimum wage worker lost 6000 in income because Dark Ford froze the minimum wage increase. Mm -hmm. There are still no paid sick days, no commitments to building affordable housing. And this budget actually reduces education spending. All things that disproportionately affect our community. Mm -hmm. Our platform addresses these issues that affect all Ontarians but have disproportionate impact on our community. Uh, minimum wage, basic days, housing affordability, a proper investment in education so schools are less reliant on the ability of parents to fundraise for essentials. There are also specific commitments to ban things like cardding mm -hmm. once and for all, mm -hmm. increased funding for community-based mental health supports, which is unique to our platform and probably fund things like transit so municipalities don't have to depend on uh, so highly on fair box revenues to keep service the policy development process took into account how things affect the racialized and working people and incorporated their challenges into the solutions that were provided 
Joe, why do you think Doug Ford and his advisors have such a hard time speaking to black communities and others of color? Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take a while, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to cut to the chase. The reality is we have a government with Doug Ford who slashed rent control as soon as they could on new buildings, uh, who has made no real attempt to create affordable housing uh, for our communities, uh, no real attempt to, to provide municipalities with the resources, uh, the autonomy that they even need uh, to be able to fight for, to be able to repair Toronto community housing. Uh, for instance, in a, in a way that it should be so people can have dignity uh, where they call mm -hmm. home. You know, we have a Ford government who during the pandemic uh, tried to put forth, you know, uh, rules that frankly allowed for racial profiling, you know, during the mm -hmm. pandemic. Uh, we also know that the anti-racism directorate, I mean, it's, it's, it's all but just words, quite frankly. Um, it has no teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that the government has not addressed uh, what we have seen to be, you know, systemic anti-Black racism, uh, even within uh, some of our very institutions like education, like healthcare. Uh, we can look at policing as well. Uh, we've seen no transparent investigation of the SIU uh, through this government. Mm. Uh, this is something that we are certainly calling for. And I want to make it clear, you know, the government can say whatever they want to say in their, in their budget. You know, because the reality is mm -hmm. they are they're they're going for votes right now. You know, they're buying votes, whether right. we're talking about the license stickers, you know, whether we're talking, you know, about, you know, what was it in the beginning? It was buck a bear. Uh, they have all of these mm -hmm. catchphrases that they think people are going to swallow, but they're not. People are smart. People in St. Paul's are smart. People across Ontario are smart. And they know uh, that without things like paid sick days, you know, without things like um, universal mental health care, which Faisal had mentioned. And I will say that even mm -hmm. me, too, I put forth bills, co-sponsored bills on paid sick day, co-sponsored bills on sickle cell to ensure that black folks walking into hospitals could be treated with respect and dignity and not be hit by anti-black racism and assumptions of mm -hmm. them being drug seekers when they're really in a sickle cell crisis. Uh, I could go on and on mm -hmm. about ways in which the government has said they're going to spend, but when, you know, when everything hits the fan, we see a government that has been sitting on billions of dollars during a pandemic, you know, while our black businesses have shuttered, many of which, you know, are right here in my community and Faisal's communities. And there was no support, no real support provided mm -hmm. to people who have literally given their blood, sweat and tears and their love, you know, and their hope for a better future, not just for mm -hmm. themselves, but for their kids in this in this province. And, and that's just not acceptable. And people aren't buying it. Yeah, I think the majority definitely are not. I would have to agree. So you've, you've already mentioned um, mental health and, and the Ontario NDP has put together some good ideas to help everyday Ontarians with mental health supports, uh, which we all know many people needed before 2020, but that need has only grown since COVID-19. The NDP plan would create Mental Health Ontario, an organization to, quote, identify and report on mental health needs, develop a comprehensive wait list for services and establish standards, end quote. It would also ensure a minimum of six counseling sessions through OHIP. Why does your party think this is the best approach? And could you speak to how many Ontarians you, you think that this will help? 
You know, I'll jump in first. Uh, mental health care is health care. Uh, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and for the purpose of our show today with you all, you know, and I know, we all know that racism, the type of physical and social and emotional weight that racism, experiences yeah. of racism, uh, ravages on our body. We need to mm-hmm. have access to every resource out there. And yes. it is a shame mm-hmm. that too many folks have to take out their credit card. And let's say, let's be frank, that's if they have a credit card, right? That's if they have that, yeah. That's if they have the credit card to access mental health. So we are, send, we are sending a strong message that we need dental care because you and I, we all know how, how connected and inextricably linked dental care care is to our, to our heart, to our heart care as yeah. well. We need dental yeah. care. We need pharma care. Uh, we need mental health care so that folks can walk around as whole persons and be able to do the best they can in their community. You know, and frankly, it saves money. It saves yeah. money when we, when we invest in communities now, uh, we're actually, you know, supporting folks so they don't fall through the cracks. So situations don't get worse down the line and they end up in the ER spending billions of dollars that could have been prevented if they had the supports they needed up front. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's why I always speak so candidly about us needing a social safety net. You know, this is not about folks, you know, asking for handouts. Um, I am not a fan of neoliberalism. Sure, hard Mm -hmm. work is important, but you can't, you know, you can't achieve on an island by yourself. You know, we are society, we are communities, and we need to invest in our communities so that they can thrive. Yes, yes. We understand that mental health is health care, and it impacts our physical and overall well-being. You're right that COVID-19 has reinforced what we already know, the disparities and inequities. So now it's time for action. What we need is a focus on mental health and dedicate the resources in a way that will help people get the help they need. Our plan addresses the long wait list suffered by young people needing treatment, something that is of a particular concern to me. In my role as Youth Opportunities Critic, we are clear up front that the platform uh, blank is only a start and the other site body will help us get the data we need to develop the best way forward. Can I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead, please. If I I just had a thought as well too, because I'm thinking about all of the PSWs and the RPNs and the RNs that we Mm. have met, you know, many of the frontline healthcare workers, uh, you know, who I have heard from who are, you know, working part-time gigs, who are jumping from one client to the next, whether in long-term care, home care, community care, what have you, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all of them have access to benefits, you know, and I just, I just want to put that out there that yeah. some of the people yeah. who have been working the hardest yeah. for us, um, you know, in retail and hospitality, the areas where women dominate and again in frontline healthcare, where we know black women uh, and racialized yes. folks have dominated. Many of them do mm-hmm. not have access to mental health care. And, you know, when you're going to work, doing the best you can, trying to keep someone alive without PPE mm-hmm. for yourself, let alone Crazy. your patient, Right. You know, or maybe you're experiencing harassment. Maybe someone has called you the N-word on shift, which I have heard yeah. with my own ears from black so have I. healthcare yeah. workers. Yeah. You need yeah. your mental health supports. <laughs> yep. You need yep. them. You need them. No question. So jumping from your proposal for mental health supports to other commitments mm-hmm. that you're making to assist Ontarians 
particularly with affordability. Mm. So you're from building way more housing to bringing back real rent control that Dougie removed to creating a provincial food strategy inclusive of reducing the cost of fuel so our grocery bills are cheaper mm. too. Could you speak to these commitments? Like why should voters be excited about this plan? It is, it is a plan uh, that puts the needs of regular folks at the front of the line instead of waiting on the kinds of some benefactor or depending on some private entity to do it. Because they found a way to monopolize it. The people who help make our province work often uh, cannot afford to live here. And that shouldn't be. The solution should address the challenges and that is what our platform seeks to do. And circling back on this question, do you mind repeating it again, at least part of it? I can. Thank you. I can, yes. So from building way more housing to bringing back real rent control mm-hmm. uh, to creating a provincial food strategy, including reducing the cost of fuel. Could you speak to this strategy the NDP has to improve affordability for Ontarians? And why should we be excited about right it? Right on. Well, bottom line is this, you know, we had a government who during the pandemic allowed evictions to happen. Mm, Big. Allowed evictions to happen, right? Uh, We put forth a bill, actually, myself, and I think it was uh, the MPP for Toronto Centre and uh, University Rosedale uh, to ban Mm. COVID evictions. And Mm. that bill, of course, was not... uh, welcomed it was not approved uh, by the ford government Uh, but all that to say all that to say uh housing is a human right you know and we cannot criminalize people who are experiencing homelessness you know when folks are in encampments when folks are having to find shelter on the streets they're not doing that because it's their choice Uh, they're Mm -hmm. doing it because they're pushed uh, to a limit and that is why we have a commitment to build you know, affordable homes. Uh, that is mm-hmm. why we have a commitment to affordable housing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, to supportive housing, uh, to help those who are in transition. Some of those are, are you know, folks who are survivors of gender-based violence, for instance. Uh, some of those mm-hmm. are people who are living or trying to live independently, uh, you know, with developmental disabilities, uh, who we know, mm-hmm. by the way, because of the housing crisis, they usually end up getting institutionalized in hospitals, frankly. Uh, because right. we do not have the supportive housing uh, that we need. And look at this. We've got like 92 or so thousand empty homes in Toronto, you know? Mm-hmm. So not only mm-hmm. do we have to repair, you know, housing stock, but we also have to look at how we use what's here creatively. You know, how do mm-hmm. we create more, you know, missing middle housing, uh, laneway homes, you know, um, low rises, for goodness sakes, walk-ups. Like, how do we create spaces Uh, that allow us to have a sense of community, you know, that aren't taking away all of our green spaces, uh, that allow Mm -hmm. for walkable sidewalks, you know, uh, that allow for for kids and families to grow up in the communities um, that they they were born in, that they know, Mm -hmm. and not have to be pushed out, you know, to other parts of the province because they can't afford uh, living here in in Toronto or like in St. Paul's. You know, I also want to flag as well, we have many folks in my community who are on ODSP, you know, and uh, we've been shouting to raise those rates for a long time. And, you know, our party has, you know, made a commitment of a 20% raise uh, to ODSP immediately, uh, simultaneously Mm -hmm. with a plan 
to work with folks uh, with disabilities to create you know, a more robust plan that helps to take them out of poverty. Now, is 20% you know, the golden rail where we have to get to, period? No, it's a start. Uh, but it mm-hmm. has to start there because you have a, you know, a conservative government back in the day that cut it by, what, 21% or so. Uh, the Liberals back in 2018 had put a proposal of 3% increase, which was nothing at all. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's been legislated poverty. You know, and again, in somewhere like St. Paul's, you know, ODSP recipients, they literally are having to choose between medicine and food and their rent. And that's just not feasible, not feasible at all for folks. No, and it shouldn't be happening in a province like ours. No, it shouldn't. There's there's too many food banks here. You know, I, I can tell you of food banks we've had in St. Paul's where the lines have gone around the churches, you know, mm. uh, it just yeah. should not be that way. And uh, not in a place like this, That's not right. when, you know, corporations like Loblaw, you know, and all of the rest of Ford's buddies, you know, their revenues keep climbing, you know, as folks are doing more and more at work, more and more in their communities, at their homes, and they're not just, they're just not seeing the income. Yeah, mm. yeah. As your party continues to kind of define itself around social justice and human rights, universal pharmacare has become a big push for your party at both the federal and the provincial level. And you've committed to fund it provincially if you win on June 2nd, despite uh, what, what we were all very surprised to see is a, a national pharmacare program that's already been committed to by the feds. Within that context, can you speak to where your party sees some of the gaps uh, as and like what is missing from the national pharmacare program and, and specifically why why do we need an ontario centric universal pharmacare plan and what will this cost ontarians well certainly i mean the universal pharmacare plan makes sure that ontarians get what they need to properly address mm-hmm. their health the federal plan provides a great start and is something we can build on in the same way federal health funding is currently augmented by provincial investments. We have known for a long time that health outcomes are negatively impacted because people cannot afford the treatment Mm -hmm. they need, whether that is uh, take-home cancer drugs or people halving their prescriptions because they cannot afford to take the required dose. Um, And they don't work in jobs that provide supplement coverage. And as a society, We pay those costs one way or or another, whether it is more trips to the emergency rooms or longer hospital stays. And the preventive approach is often cheaper and more effective. So we need to invest smartly. And that is what our farm care plan will do. Yeah, you know, to what Faisal said, too many people in Ontario don't have access to pharmacare. You know, Uh, I think there's, what is it, two or so million folks you know, don't have access to pharmacare. And, you know, if mm-hmm. one person doesn't, that's one person too much, you know? Uh, it's sort of like the mental health piece. We have to take care of the entire person, you know? Uh, we have to recognize that the entire person needs to be needs to be healthy, needs to be well, in order to be confident uh, in their lives. You know, I, I did a lot of work with eating disorders prior to being elected. You know, I, I advocated for eating disorder supports, you know, for folks in communities, because all too often, you know, BIPOC folks, black folks, queer folks, you know, fat folks, you know, who people think can't get eating disorders, they can, you know, they absolutely Mm -hmm. can. And in a province where we only have 20 
publicly funded beds, 20. In order for you to get care, you've got to be ready to roll out 20, 10, 15, $60,000 for some of these private places in order to save your life. Uh, That's just not good enough when you are dying at home, uh, waiting for a bed in Ontario uh, to to get the care, the drugs, the mental health supports uh, that you need in order to survive. Uh, So we have to take care of our folks. Uh, We have to have policies in place uh, that recognize that that people need support and that there's nothing to be ashamed of. There should be no stigma in needing mm-hmm. support. There really isn't. Yeah, I know for me, when I kind of compared both your policy and, you know, compared your policy to the federal one, basically the main difference that I saw is that you, you want to bring this in much sooner. And I believe I heard Ms. Horvath say it's because people can't wait anymore. We've been waiting long enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the the provincial system, if implemented, it would be subsidized by the federal funding that would come by 2025 anyway. So that would be positive. Despite some differences, jumping to our next question here, despite some differences, like in your approach to mental health, Andrew Horvath's NDP and Stephen Del Duca's Liberals actually have quite a lot in common in terms of direction. I'm talking about both parties planning to appoint a minister for anti-racism or implement the Pay Transparency Act or legislate 10 paid sick days or allow gig workers to finally be classified as employees or reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and achieve net zero by 2050. And there's more too. It follows then that in order for you to be successful, you'll have to do a good job of differentiating yourselves from the Liberals. So what difference do you want Ontario voters to see when they look at the NDP? Hey, everybody, Curtis here. We hope you've been enjoying this in-depth conversation with MPP Dr. Jill Andrew and MPP Faisal Hassan, both seeking re-election under the NDP banner in Ontario's June 2nd election. As we typically do, we split the full conversation up for your listening pleasure, and you just heard part one. Be sure to listen to part two, where we dive even deeper on the NDP's vision for our province, and they give a direct message to the voters of Toronto St. Paul's and York Southwestern, and more. Something tells me you'll want to listen to our bonus episode, too. As always, thanks for listening.